And I'll invite you to take your Bibles to uh, Nehemiah this morning, uh, Nehemiah chapter 10. Appreciate that ministry, Alex. That was a blessing. Amen. Yep, very good. Okay, we're kind of jumping into the middle of a passage here in Nehemiah, but if you remember the story of Nehemiah, he was a king's cupbearer. One day his brother and men came to him and he asked how things were going back in Jerusalem where they'd been taken They'd been taken captives by the Babylonians and carried away. And, and he was actually now the king of a Persian, a cupbearer of a Persian king. And they told him things weren't going too well back there. And so Nehemiah decided he would be the one to do something about it. And he prayed about it. And then finally he asked the king permission to go. And he goes back and he sees the condition that uh, Jerusalem is in kind of physically, all the walls are still torn down and so on. And so he has, one, he has a great building enterprise and with God's blessing he rebuilds those walls and once he gets them rebuilt, then, he, then they begin to repopulate. They want to repopulate the city. And I think their desire is, is for that city to become what God intended it to be. A place where God would be worshipped in the temple and... Uh, and then Ezra shows up on the scene and they build a pulpit and they read through the scriptures and they find out how far short they had come of what God intended for them. And they see the trouble that they're in because of how they disobeyed God and disbelieved God. And, and then we come to chapter 10 where it says, uh, uh, or the very end of chapter 9, it says, And because of all this we make a sure covenant and write, and write it. And so they're making a fresh commitment, a fresh consecration to the Lord. And uh, all these men sign this covenant, this agreement. Uh, we read about that in, the, uh, in chapter uh, 10 there. It gives all the names of these people that signed this covenant. And uh, that leads us up to uh, verse 28 of chapter 9. And, and that's where I'll bring the message from this morning beginning in chapter 9 verse or chapter 10 verse 28 of, of Nehemiah. And uh, let's just have a word of prayer and, and ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today and, and, uh, and Lord, we pray you'd impress upon our hearts this morning uh, how meaningful and uh, how important your house is to our lives. Father, I thank you for each one that's here, and, uh, and Lord, we pray that we would want to be everything you want us to be in this house, uh, Lord, that we can have a, a part in building your house, that we can actually be in your presence, Lord, with one another, and what a wonderful thing this is. And so, Lord, we pray you'd bless uh, this sermon with your presence today, may you use it to work in each of our lives. And, uh, Lord, that we might be committed to the local church, to the body of believers who worship and serve the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Jesus Christ. 
And so, Lord, we pray your blessing and ask your help on the sermon. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we come to verse 28, and it says, And the rest of the people, and the priests, and the Levites, and the porters, and the singers, and the Ithiums, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God, their wives, their son, their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding, they clave to their, <clears throat> they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and they entered into a curse. Uh, you remember growing up, sometimes we used to say, cross your heart and hope to die. <laughs> you know, I don't think kids say that anymore, but here, that's what they're, they're, they're saying now, Lord, you bring disaster on us if we don't do what we're saying here. We're really serious about this commitment to you. And I just want you to capture that spirit in your own heart and in your own mind today. And it's the spirit that I want us to capture is this commitment to the Lord that these people are making at this time. And uh, they say, uh, and, and we enter into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgment and his statutes. And we will not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring wares or any victuals on the Sabbath to sell, that we will not buy of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. So they're kind of making a commitment to God's word, they say we will walk in the law of the Lord. They are making a commitment to the Lord's day to keep the Sabbath. And then in verse 32, they're making a commitment to the Lord's house. And that's what I want to bring the message on today. It says, uh, And we made ordinance for us to charge ourselves yearly with a third part of the shekel. It says, For the service of the house of our God. And I just want you to note the word service there. He said, we are going to support the service of the house of the Lord. For the showbread and for the continual meat offering and for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbaths and of the new moons and of the set feasts and for the holy things and for the sin offerings to make an atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. There's a different word there. They said, Lord, we're going to be committed to the work of the house of the Lord. They just said we're going to be committed to the service of the house of the Lord. So here's a second word. And then it says, And we cast lots among the priests and the Levites and the people for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God, after the houses of our fathers, at the times appointed year by year, to burn upon the altar of the Lord our God as is written in the law, and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of the fruit of all the trees year by year onto the house of our Lord. Also, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, it is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds and our flocks, to bring to the house of our God onto the priests that minister in the house of our God. So here's a third word, minister in the house of our Lord. And that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the first and the fruit of the manner of the trees and the wine of the oil unto the priest to the chambers of the house of our God and the tithes of our ground unto the Levites that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage 
And the priest and the son of Aaron shall be with the Levites when the Levites take the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of tithes onto the house of our God, to the chambers, into the treasure of the house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, and the oil, and the chambers, where are the vessels of the sanctuary, and the priests, and the ministers, and the porters, and the singers. And they finish off with this, and we will not forsake the house of our God. Um, we clean a church down in Cumberland where we live. Uh, two weeks ago, I noticed a sign outside a classroom door. Why people don't come to church anymore. I thought, that'd be interesting. I actually went in there and started digging around to look and see if I could find out some reasons why people, but I couldn't find an old lesson, so I can't tell you what they were teaching, okay? But they're making a commitment here not to leave God's house. To put it in contemporary terms, it means we would be making a commitment not to leave the church of the living God. Not to leave a church that teaches the truth of Christ and the truth from Christ and that worships and serves the living God. And they're making that commitment. And uh, I trust as long as you live and can breathe and can move and you're able, you'll want to be a part of a Bible-believing, Christ-centered, God-honoring church. You'll have that commitment in your heart and in your life. And, uh, and I think one of the things that they're doing here is they're making a commitment you know, to a kind of church that I don't think you'd want to leave. What, what they're making, there were three words that I stopped and hesitated on here. It says uh, in verse 32, for the service of the house of our God, in verse 33, it says, for the work of the house of our God. And in verse 36, it says, unto the, unto the priests that minister in the house of our Lord. And, and I thought, why did, why did God put three different words in there? I want to know what those mean. So I went back and started to study these words. And the first one that, uh, I don't think we'll get to all three of them this morning, but the, the idea of a, as, a, as we are in the Lord's house this morning, we want to be committed to the service of God. And that word, it always had the idea of a, uh, being on a God-sent mission. A God-sent mission. Be a part of a church that believes it's on a God-sent mission. You know, God sent, that, that, that believes in the message that God sent His Son, sent the Messiah. This word was always used of Christ as the servant in the Old Testament, the suffering servant in Isaiah. And I believe it teaches us that as a church, it's so important to realize that Christ came on a mission. The Father sent the Son on a mission to accomplish a mission, and the Son has sent the church on a mission. The other day at work, we have a two o'clock break. I go out and I stand next to a friend, Steve. We're leaning on his car and he says to me, boy, this is a real godsend. You know what it was? An 86 Delta 88. <laughs> it only had 60,000 miles on it when it got it and it gets 32 miles a gallon. And Steve's going through a divorce right now and going through some real troubles. 
some real deep, rough waters. And he's thinking the Delta 88 is a godsend. And, uh, and I believe what this means is a church that is a godsend. I wish he'd have pointed to me and said, you know what, Brad? You're a real godsend. This idea of service is being on a God-sent mission. God had a mission for His Son to accomplish. His Son came and accomplished that mission. When He died on the cross, He said, I have finished the work that You gave Me. And He came and finished that work, and then Christ rose from the grave. He ascended. He sent forth His Spirit on the church, and then He sent His church out on a mission. And I believe that whole idea here is of uh, that, that idea of being sent out into this world with a mission is so important for a church to have. This is great. Your flags. Different nations. It's a global mission. God wants to reach the whole world. All the nations. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. It's this idea of going. It's the great commission that Christ has given us. You know, I never want to leave a church that's passionate about the great commission. That's passionate about taking God's Word and preaching it and teaching it and living it so that people are converted to Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. That people are spreading the word so they know who Christ is. And know Him in all His glory. Behold, like John said in his Gospel, you know, behold uh, the Son of God full of grace and glory. That people see who Christ is. And, and on that mission. And, uh, and as, they, as they were committing to the Lord's house, it, you know, it was this realized, the idea that the Lord has sent us also. Uh, Jesus said in His high priestly prayer in John 17, As Thou hast sent Me, speaking of how the Father sent Him into the world, even so I send you. I send you. And I think each of us have to personally and consciously say, Lord, where are you sending me? And, you know, we read the... Uh, uh, turn to Matthew 28, the Great Commission there. Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at that for a second. It's important that the church never loses its focus and its passion for the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go ye therefore, the idea is as you are going. You know, and we go a lot of places during the week, don't we? I go to work, sometimes I go to a basketball game, sometimes I go to church, sometimes I go to the gas station. Sometimes I go to Subway, 
And the idea here is, as you are going, therefore teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And, uh, and it's important that, our, that we understand our mission is more than just getting people to heaven. It's great to come to know Christ and have your eternal security and be in heaven, but our mission is greater than that. Our mission is to make disciples, to make people who are followers of Christ, people who, a disciple is someone who is a learner. You know, and there's so much to learn from Christ. Are you a good student, folks? Are you a good student? Are you trying to learn more from God's Word? And uh, that, that's, that's our mission, you know, to be on that. And... Uh, as they go you therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, getting people to identify with Christ. I think that's what baptism is about, public identification. Sometimes it's hard to identify with Christ out in public. It's easier here. You know, it's easier for me to stand here and say what I'm saying than it is for me to talk in public about Christ. It's easier for me to identify with Christ in a church setting than it is in a non-church setting. But make disciples who will be baptized who will not be ashamed to be afraid of identifying with Christ in a public setting. And it's so important that we're willing to do that. And uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And uh, lo, I am, I am with you always. You know, it's a... Uh, I'm with you 24-7. You, if you're with me in this commission, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you always. If you're sick, well, you know one of the reasons, I, I've been sick the last two days. I thought about calling you, Don, and saying, I'm sick, I can't go up there and do this. You know, at least excuse me from the evening service. And God says he'll be with us sometimes when we're sick, sometimes when we're not feeling that well. I know one. I heard one evangelist one time. The very best sermon he preached. He was sicker than a dog, and got up and barely, and things had all gone wrong. He was hardly prepared, and 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 God was with him even in that situation. Sometimes you think things got to be just perfect. Not so. If the Lord is with you, He can use us to a. It's a co-mission. It's a mission together. And uh, and that idea of. The service of the Lord. It's the idea of a church that really has a mission. I appreciate it, Alex. You introduced your family. You said, we are here to glorify God. Our mission is to glorify God. Um, I like what uh, one man said this. The supreme way in which God chose to glorify himself was through the redemption of fallen men. And it is through participation in that redemptive plan that believers themselves most glorify God. Therefore, the believer who desires to glorify God, who wants to honor God's supreme will and purpose, must share God's love for the lost world and share in his mission to redeem the lost to himself. Christ came into the world that he loved, 
and sought to win sinners to himself for the Father's glory. As Christ's representatives, we are likewise sent into the world that he loves to bring the lost to him and thereby bring honor and glory to God. Our mission is the same as that of the Father and the Son. I believe that was John MacArthur, a quote there. But, uh, you know, as we think of our mission to glorify God, one of the best ways we can do that is to seek the redemption of fallen men. To see men and women come to know Christ and be made new creatures in Christ. And uh, that must be the mission that we maintain a, a focus on and a passion for. I've been a Christian long enough to know that Sometimes you can lose that focus. Sometimes you can lose that passion. And it's important, folks, that we don't. Uh, it's important that we have a passion for the mission that Christ has given to us. And, uh, and I tell you what, if a church has that passion, that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. Church that wants to see people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and uh, and as we think about uh, the need for missions, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter nine and verse thirty-six and thirty-seven. Matthew chapter nine. Verse 36 and 37. <clears throat> and what I want to encourage you here, I think the Word of God encourages us to do, is to pray for missionaries. When is the last time you prayed for a missionary? Prayed for a God to send forth a worker. I think it's important that a church prays that way. It's good to pray for health. Um, you know, and we have needs like that. But sometimes I think maybe we forget to pray to send forth workers and make that a real earnest prayer in our lives. There's an interesting story told of J. Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China. One day J. Hudson Taylor accidentally tripped, fell down, and he became almost paralyzed where he couldn't hardly hold a pen. And his desire was to be on a mission to reach nine different provinces in China. And he found out all he could do was pray. So he prayed. And God provided nine different men and all the funds they needed to do pioneer missionary in China and he said, you know what, I could have never done that myself. He said, I'd have tried to do it. He said, I think God was teaching me something. He said, I'd have tried to do that all myself, where instead he said, I prayed that the Lord would send forth laborers, and he sent forth new men fully supported to carry out a mission for Christ in the providence of China. And, uh, and that's an illustration, I think, of what uh, Jesus is saying here in verses... Uh, 36 and 37, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the harvest. Folks, I just want to encourage you, you know, some churches today are kind of slacking off on praying. Prayer maybe doesn't have as much meaning or much influence as it should be. Prayer needs to be a very important part of the church. We can't, I don't believe we can back off on prayer. I think we need to be more committed to prayer. And one of the good things for us to pray about is praying that the Lord would send forth labors. And as he says here, you know, he saw the, uh, how serious the problem was. He said the people were, he looked at the people with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad. Um, I'm told the idea of fainted there is the idea of uh, skinning an animal, uh, being bullied, being taken advantage of. Uh, I, I think the idea here is being under the oppression of sin and of sinful men. That's the way he saw the world when he looked at them. And uh, scattered abroad is the idea of just worn out, ready to give up. And uh, sheep without a shepherd, I think the picture there is not having spiritual leadership and care. A lot of people didn't have any spiritual leadership or care. That's a good call for, I don't know if there's anyone here, a young person that might think, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with my life. There's a real need for spiritual leadership for pastors. Maybe God might call some young man to be a pastor. And, uh, and they, they had no spiritual leadership, and he said unto them, The harvest truly is plenteous. Uh, you guys know Glenn Hurlinger, right? You know what Glenn Hurlinger's favorite hobby is? Gardening. You know who he asked to help him last summer? Jackie and I. You know what his harvest was? Plenteous. Would you come and help pick the peas? Would you come and pick the beans? We did that three days ago. They're ready to go again. Would you come and pick the beans? And he had quite a harvest. And he said it was, it was too big for him to pick. And he said, would you come and help with the harvest? And you know, there were times you didn't feel like going out and helping with the harvest, but you had made a commitment to it. And so we went and did it. I'm not sure I'm going to get in that same deal next summer, though. But you know what? I do want to be involved in God's harvest. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. There's not enough people working in the harvest. God needs workers in the harvest, out in the field. Will you be a worker in the field? God can use you as a worker in the field. There's so much work in the field. 
There really is. There's more work in the factory I work in than I can do. I'm one man in a factory of 45 people. And there's more work there than I can handle. There is such a need for laborers. Would you pray for laborers? When you pray on Wednesday night, pray for laborers. When you pray on your own, pray for laborers. Great. I, I, we, and, and, and see God bring forth laborers in the harvest. And, uh, and so how important it is to, uh, uh, you know, as it, to, to have a passion for this mission of bringing the gospel out and to uh, be praying for the mission. Again, let me go back to, remember the 86 Delta 88? Remember that? What was that all about? What did that guy say that thing was? Okay. Folks, I think this is what God's trying to teach us. There's someone out there who could use a godsend. And you could be a godsend. Yeah, you may look like a Delta 88. But you could be a godsend to somebody. One day I'm hitchhiking out west. I got a backpack on my back, got a scraggly beard. Trying to find a place to lay my head. I knock on the door. Gray-haired lady comes to the door. Ma'am, can you give me a place to stay so I could, I'll work for rent. Sorry, young man, I don't have any room for you. I'm all filled up with migrant workers. Closes the door. Ten minutes later, she comes out, and she says, Young man, would you want to come in and talk about the Lord for a minute? God sent me a godsend. God sent a lady into my life to talk to me about her Lord and her Savior. And because she did that, I know the Lord is my Lord and Savior. And other people have come to know the Lord is their Lord and Savior through my life. And people have come to know the Lord and Savior through your life. And to be a godsend. And maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's another, you know, you might just be helping another Christian along. That can be a godsend. Just to have someone to help you through your Christian life, to help you through the battles and the struggles and to stand together with you and pray with you and, and be a friend to you, that can be a godsend. Sometimes just a friend, a Christian friend is a godsend. It really is. And, uh, but this is the idea there of, uh, you know, they, they were they were committing, Lord, we are going to support your house like never before. We're going to be involved in the service of the Lord. And then he goes on to be the work of the Lord. And, and real quickly, that idea, that idea of work there, it means someone who is a substitute for somebody else or a representative for somebody else. Okay, today I'm up here. You know who's down in my class, down in Barron? 
a substitute. There's somebody substituting for me down there because I'm not there anymore. You know, when Jesus rose from the grave, he was here only for a few days and then he ascended and he left us to be his substitute, his representatives. We are here to represent the King of Kings. We are here to represent the Lord of Lords. If you want to be call it being Christian role models, well, I want to be a part of a church where Christians desire to be role model Christians. Christians who really represent the Lord of Lord and the, the Lord of Glory. My words, my motives, my actions, my attitudes. That I am rightly representing my Lord. You know, and, and that's what that idea of work means. And, and it it's always has the idea, to, idea too, of uh, the idea of work. It has the idea of craftsmanship. Okay, now if you ask my wife, uh, when it comes to doing uh, construction work, she would not call me a craftsman. Okay? Yeah, he gets things done, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm not a craftsman. I'm not good at doing that real finish work. You know, yeah, he'll work hard and quick and get it done, but he's not a craftsman. And the idea there of this word, though, is uh, in God's house, there is this cra- there's this workmanship, this craftsmanship. You know, it's, it's like that in, I, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his... Workmanship. God's at work in our lives. Putting some finishing touches on. You know, I got my brown shoes out this morning because they matched my suit coat, you know. Well, actually I had the wrong suit coat first. (laughs) And the wife said, get the other suit coat that goes with the pants, okay. Well, I thought I was all finished at that point. Then she said, get the shoe polish. (laughs) So I got the shoe, and I said, it's mink oil. She said, no, the left drawer. Okay, tan shoe polish. I find a rag, I polish the shoes. I'm sitting on the couch. That gal, she's a wonderful gal. I thank the Lord for my wife. She comes out, and she cleans the spot off that I missed my right shoe. (laughs) And she put some finishing touches on me, you know, so I could stand in front of you folks here today. But what this is taught, this workmanship is God is working in our lives. He's doing His work. He's crafting us to make us more and more like His Son so that we can stand before His Son one day and be like Him. Be like Him. That's craftsmanship at its best. In a church where people realize, hey, God's working on one another. How's God working in your life? How's God working in your life? You know, He is. There's not a one of us here. I, I don't look out here and see any finished products. There's still some finished... You know, let me get the shoe polish and go to a couple of you folks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Still some work to be done. 
in our lives. Let Him do it. Let Him work in you. Let Him work through you. I never want to leave a church where God's at work in and through the lives of those people. Because He does such a good work. He does such a good work. And He does it through His Word and through His Spirit sometimes. Providence, He uses His Word. And then the, the last thing you hear is the idea of ministers. They said ministry in the house of the Lord. And the idea of there is like being a personal assistant. Now, when my daughter got married this spring, Ashley got married, she had a personal attendant. Her name was Mary from college, her best friend. And she was her personal assistant and attended Ashley, and she was there to help her with whatever she needed on her wedding day. And not only was she there to help him, help her with whatever she needed, but she was also Ashley's best friend. And that's kind of the idea of a ministry. It's where, you're here, where we're here to assist somebody that's really important. We're here as personal assistants to the Lord Jesus Christ and to one another. How can I assist you? How can I be a help to you? And not only that, but it's the idea of helping one another and at the same time you're developing this friendship and this fellowship together. It's friends helping one another. And when you take a church full of believers who want to assist the Lord and the Lord assists us and want to assist one another and help one another to minister to one another, I think those are the pictures that we see in this Old Testament as they're reestablishing the worship and the work and the service that's taken place in the temple. It's a great Old Testament picture, I think, of what God wants the New Testament church to be like. And uh, so I just want to encourage you uh, how important the local church is. Don't ever lose your passion for missions. Keep it strong. Pray for missions. Participate together in missions. Realize that God is doing a work in lives and through lives. And be a minister to one another. And uh, I, I don't see how God cannot bless that type of a church how God cannot be honored and, and work through that type of a church. and That's the lessons that I learned from that. I, I hope they'll be helpful to, to you. And, uh, and Lord bless you. So, Okay, let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you so much for the church. Uh, and uh, Lord, we thank you for your plan for the church and, uh, Lord, what you want for it. Help us to realize, Lord, that as a church, we'll always have a mission to the world. Lord, may we be a godsend. May these people be a godsend, to, uh, Lord, to help others along the way to lead people to Christ. And, and uh, Lord, we uh, just pray that uh, we'd allow you to work in our lives. Uh, Lord, you, how you want to craft us and work us and, uh, to make us to be more like Christ. Uh, may we allow you to work in our lives and through us. And, and, uh, and Lord, help us to have a minister's heart, a servant's heart, to, uh, Lord, to serve one another, and, and uh, Lord, to develop 
closeness and friendship with you and, and with one another. And what a blessing it is to be a part of a church like that. And, and Lord, we pray that it uh, would be true of uh, this body here. Uh, may your will be done, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.